teaching um, where a, a, a bunch of what he teaches in, in between um, Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the last week of his life. And um, he's going to encounter with the leadership of the, the church and uh, really call them in this passage to take risks, um, to, to not play it the, the safe way. You know, and, and as we come and gather around Becky and around others we'll talk about who are putting themselves out in, in positions of places that, that are really that are risky, that are scary, that are stepping out in faith. Uh, what we'll see in this passage is that, that Jesus is calling His church to do that regularly, but our focus, our natural tendency is to go to the place that is safe, that is comfortable, um, that will continue in the status quo, continue the way that we've um, always been doing things. And, uh, and in so doing, when we do that, we can miss the work of God right in front of us. Because that's what happens, that's what's happening in these passages with the religious leaders. Remember, the, the, some translations that are having fun with the text don't put Pharisee in there. They put senior pastor and Bible study leaders um, as the religious leaders in front of Jesus. And, and they have God right in front of them who is calling them to a new way of, of being, a new way of doing things, and they miss it. Not only do they miss it, not only do they ignore it, but they go in the opposite direction. They demonstrate for us what it means to be a dead church and how to be a dead church. And so we're looking at this to say, oh, no, we don't want to be dead. We don't want to be stuck. We, we want to be alive because we follow a living Savior. We follow one who is alive in us. So our, our passage is in Matthew 21. And uh, we'll start in, in verse 23. It's found on page 802 in your pew Bible, or you can uh, follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Dear gracious God, we, we pray that you will open our eyes, you will open our heart, you will release our soul to, to hear from you. Uh, that, that you will find in us those things that are stuck, those ways that we're more tied to the way we want to do it than the way you want us to do it, um, ways that we're more, more tied to our own comfort um, or to our own safety than we are to, to your leading, um, the way that we seek to be, be popular um, rather than seeking your truth. Speak to us. Um, show us. Uh, for we want to be alive. In you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, um, uh, Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse um, 23. When he, Jesus, entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? 
But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So, they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, notice here that the Pharisees, the, 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 the pastors and the Bible study leaders are coming to Jesus with, with good questions, but they're not serious about the question. They're trying to trick Jesus. I mean, they're trying to fool him. They're trying to, to get him somehow uh, tangled up in a web. They're, they're, they're trying to, to get him to affirm their beliefs. They're not really seriously submitting to the answer that Jesus gives. I mean, they're playing games with Jesus. The dead church plays games with Jesus. Now, if, you, if you're here today and you're one that you just wandered in and you really don't consider yourself a Christian, but you're seeking, you're intrigued um, by Jesus, you want to know about Him, you know, answer, ask all these kind of questions that you want to ask and, and, and expect an honest, open um, answer. And, and don't stop till you get it. But don't play games with Jesus. And be careful when you hang around uh, people who've been Christians for a long time. Because we can learn real well how to play games with Jesus. I mean, we know how to ask questions now that are really more about trying to satisfy our own desires and our own wants than truly submitting to the direction that Jesus would have for us. Uh, we, we've learned how, what questions not to ask. Because we know the answers and the claims that those answers will have on our lives. We can fall into the same trap of these Pharisees who really are just wanting to justify their own lives. And Jesus is simply getting in the way. We can get stuck in our traditions. Get stuck in the way, the good ways that we used to do it, that used to lead us to God, but now they're just comfortable because it's the way we've always done it, and really we know what the result is. The, our traditions can sometimes lead us in ways where we just get stuck in the status quo. Yaroslav Pelikan, isn't that a great name for a theologian? Um, he, he wrote this in, uh, about tradition versus traditionalism. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Where we get stuck in the ways that we've done it, where we get stuck in our preferences, we get stuck in our own comforts, we get stuck even in our own convictions, and we're really no longer open to Jesus changing you. Jesus is the Lord of all, and no other entity is. No other entity deserves our full allegiance, not our nation, not our party affiliation, not our workplace, not even our family. Jesus is our highest allegiance. 
That's why Jesus said sometimes, you know, he said some pretty wild things, you know, like you got to hate your mother and your father and your children. You got to hate them in, in comparison to loving me. There is no value greater than Jesus. Remember when we were praying the prayer covenant that Jerry Kirk, who's a pastor here, um, Pastor Meredith here, shared with us? You know, and we, we walked through that for several weeks. That was almost a year ago um, now. Remember the, the central prayer, the dangerous part of that prayer, the most dangerous of that, is the, the middle line in that prayer, which was the first line that he shared with us. It was the first line as he was developing this over the course of a number of years. And it was that we would pray, Jesus, change me any way you want. That's the prayer of the living church. That's the prayer that the Pharisees had forgotten. That God was doing something new. That God was was changing things in their midst. And they were stuck. And so they, in turn, just played games with Jesus. Tried to trick Him. You know, we, we can do that at times by asking Jesus limiting questions. Versus limitless questions. We, we ask Jesus limiting questions like, how much money am I supposed to give? You know, sort of the limit. You know, what, what's the amount that I'm supposed to give? Just give me that limit so that I can do that and then with the rest of it I can do what I want. You know, so how much? Uh, 10%? Okay, great. You know, I'll give 10%, I'll work to that, and then with the rest of it I'll do what I want. We just, what we're trying to do is find the limit. You know, wh- where's the line that we don't get in trouble? We, we do the same thing with sex. How far is too far? That's our question. You know, how, how far is too far? We're just saying, how far can, can I do what I want to do so that I don't get in trouble with you? That's really the question we're asking. We're really what we should be asking is, how, how do I best live so that I can give as much away as possible? We ask the limitless question. How, how, Lord, can I live so that I give away as much as possible? Or, Lord, how do I best live? How do I best have a relationship with a member of the opposite sex so that our relationship can grow deep in you? That's the limitless question. Instead of you know, trying to, to ask the, the questions that allow me to do what I want and keep me out of trouble. That's what the limited questions are. They sort of allow me to push into doing all that I want to do, and they sort of keep me out of trouble with God or with others. Instead of asking, what's the best that you would have for me and that you want for me? I mentioned uh, last week one of the classes we're going to be teaching in the summer. The, um, the, it starts in June, um, the Multicultural Christian Primer class um, in terms of our, our journey of being a multicultural, multiracial um, church. Uh, another class we're going to be teaching at that same time really hits on this theme, and that's the dog and cat theology class. And um, some of you may have heard the story, just how it got that name, dog or cat theology. Great name, isn't it? Well, and it's just the looking at dogs and cats and how we understand them and what their theology is. We've done a survey of cats and dogs and asked them what their theology is. And, you know, you go up to a dog and a dog has been fed and pet and loved and cared for and and, uh, sitting at the the, uh, feet of their their master and is... (laughs) 
And you ask the dog, you know, and they say, you know, this is great. You care for me. You love me. You feed me. You provide for me. You must be God. The cat, on the other hand, you love and and, and pet and you you care for that. Give toys to the cat. You feed the cat. Care for the cat. And he, you know, nuzzles up right in your lap. Sits there nice and warm and you pet him. He's... You're just purring away, and you ask the cat, you know, what's your theology? You know, you care for me, you love me, you provide for me, you do everything for me. I must be God. (laughs) Dog lovers unite, because the dog got it right on that one. But our general notion is to be like a cat. You know, that, that God is here to meet my needs. God is here to provide for me, to keep me out of trouble. Uh, when it's just the opposite direction. You know, we are here. to We receive from God abundantly. And we marvel and give glory and honor to God. For God's pleasure. For God's glory. That's the meaning and purpose of our lives. And unless we remain pliable... Unless we, we remain um, soft to the movement of the Spirit, then we will find ourselves calcified like the Pharisees, playing games with Jesus, trying to use Jesus to get what we want instead of submitting to the desires and the good and perfect will of the Father. The living church is truly alive, is pliable, is flexible, is ready and willing to change and be led as God leads us. The other thing about the dead church is it plays it safe. I mean, the Pharisees, man, they were interacting with one another, figuring out, how do we play this safe? How do we we limit our losses? Uh, How do we maintain the institution? How do we we maintain our popularity? How do we keep things going with the, the most people that we can? Those were the motivations of why they were trying to answer Jesus' questions. They were not pursuing truth. They were pursuing their own survival. And therefore, they played it safe. I was at an eco event, the, uh, our denomination, the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, where Gary Haugen, who's the founder and president of International Justice Mission, the group that Becky's going to India with, it was, he was the speaker. Gary was the speaker. And, and he said in, in that talk that the most dangerous place for the church of Jesus Christ to be, the most dangerous place for the church of Jesus Christ to be is in safety. Because when you're safe, when you have no need, then you don't need Jesus. And you fight for the status quo. You fight to sort of keep the, the walls up. And the gate's locked. You keep yourself safe. And you take no risks. And that is not the way of Jesus. And it's not the way of His followers. You know, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Whenever you come back, whatever God has in store, Becky, I'm ready to hear because it's going to mess with your life. It's going to change you. And you know that. And that's why you're there. You know, I'm excited to hear back from the Noonans when they go to Ethiopia because that's going to mess up their life. We'll pray for them in a couple weeks before they leave. And then uh, Paul and Mary Suberhagen are going to spend a couple weeks in India 
I'm with a missionary there. I'm looking to hear Rachel Abbott is going as well overseas for part of the summer. And the crash group, the youth group, going down to Alabama, rural Alabama. Yeah, their life's going to be turned upside down too there. Because you put yourself in places where you take risks. And there you, you, you have to engage with Jesus because you've lost all your other nice, little, comfortable strongholds. And you have to rely on Him and on His people as you move into those risky places. It is indeed that the most dangerous place for the church to be is in safety. Now, Kristen's not here, but you can be sure to be tell her that I mentioned her. Okay, I mentioned her in the first service as well, and she won't care. Matter of fact, she'll, she'll like it. Because with Kristen, she's got a heart for the foster care system in our county. A system is broken. Well, there are thousands of children just sort of languishing there in need of, of, of families to care uh, for them. And she keeps knocking on my door, sending me emails, and I keep playing Pharisee with her. You know, I keep saying, well, you know, that's going to really mess up. You know, that's, that's really messy and all the rest. I've got plenty of other things that I've got to do. And the great thing is she won't let me off the hook. And so she leads me and is going to lead us in the place of taking risk and putting ourselves in uncomfortable places because she's like, how are we neighbors to these children? How do we, how do we care for these thousands of children in our foster care system? How do we love them in the love of Jesus? How can we just sit back and do absolutely nothing? Yeah, we can't fix it, but do we just sit back and say, oh, isn't that too bad? No. We, we put ourselves in the center of the mess and we follow the living Lord as a living church and we take the risks that maybe we're going to take and put ourselves, make ourselves uncomfortable and maybe even put ourselves in places that are uncomfortable and that stretch us and challenge us because we're following a living Lord who refuses for His people to be broken and wants to enter into their lives and bring them the wholeness and life that only He can bring. And the way He does that is through His church. In a couple months, as a, uh, we're going to be teaching a class as well. It's on a Saturday, July 19th, I think is the, is the date. And it's called Speaking the Truth in Love. And what I, I've found in my own life and the life of the church is we just don't do that very well. We don't speak the truth in love very well. We do part of it well. Sometimes there's some of us that speak the truth well, but not in love. So it's not heard. And it's opposed at every channel. You, you know, they just sort of take the Bible and use it as a real weapon instead of the sword of the Spirit that it's supposed to be. And then there, there are most of us, a lot of us, who we know the truth, but we don't know how to speak it in love. We don't know how... We're scared of conflict. And we're scared of how we might offend somebody. And, and we don't know how then to speak the truth in love to one another or to others. So I just think it's best for everybody to take the class in July 19th. You've got two months notice now over that, so no excuses. Um, July 19th for us to learn how to speak the truth in love so that we learn how to enter into the risky places in our lives. Because I've got news for you. If you haven't noticed this, the world around us is not in concert with the values of Jesus. 
There, there may have been a time in our history where we thought that they were. I think we were fooling ourselves, one. At least today, it's a real gift that we know it's just not. It's just not the same in terms of what Jesus teaches us, what the Scriptures teach us is God's plan and God's direction. is not what the, the world will encourage us to do. It just isn't the way that it is. Which is good. Because that means we've got to really work hard to not be in risky situations. We've got to work even harder to be in a safe place. Which are the most dangerous places for the church to be. And it's a whole lot more like the first century. I mean, don't think this is a new thing for the church. One, think about the church around the world. Think about the church in Nigeria, the church in um, uh, Iran, the church in Iraq, the church uh, in uh, Syria. Yeah, they are persecuted minorities in many parts of those countries. First century church, right after Jesus' death and, and His resurrection, His ascension, man, they were a bunch of weirdos in some persecuted minority in some part of Jerusalem, and they thought some guy had died and been raised to dead. What a bunch of wackos the first century church was considered. So, in a way, that's the way that it's always been. That is our tradition. Uh, to be a group that are centered on following Jesus, no matter the cost. Uh, we are willing to put aside our personal preference, personal comfort, our personal safety in order to follow Him. We want to be a living church. So we don't play games with Jesus. We take Him seriously and seek to submit to His Lordship in every part of our lives. And we don't play it safe. We take, we take the risks of following Him. As He leads us to the cross, but we know that on the other side of the cross is the resurrection. We follow a living Lord, but He leads us and He tells us, take up your cross daily and follow Him. Believing and trusting that the way of the world is not the way to life, but the way of resurrected life is to follow Jesus no matter the cost. Before we gather at the table for um, communion, uh, some of the children are going to lead us on that way of the cross as we follow Jesus.